Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. A little bit of a special edition today. Uh, Michigan game. Uh, both of us had a little bit of free time here and a good spot to uh, maybe knock off the podcast in terms of uh, reaction to what just happened as the Bearcats not, unfortunately didn't have enough gas in the tank in the fourth quarter. They fall 36-14 uh, after trailing 17-14 to late in the third. And Michigan, unfortunately, uh, ripped off 19 in a row and put the game out of reach um, as they got late in the game. Um, Dave, honestly, much better performance than I thought. They, they got down 14 to nothing. They really battled back. They they showed some grit. They showed a little bit of fight that they haven't showed uh, recently in the past couple of years. And overall, I walk away pretty satisfied with a lot of the things I saw, although there were concerns, and we will get into that as we go through this podcast. There's always concerns with a loss, but if we're looking at the two games that they've played so far this year and take into account you know, all the dynamics of each game. I thought they played much better today than they did last Thursday. Um, I thought they played better against Michigan than Florida did. I watched a lot of that game and obviously watched this entire game. And we'll get into it in more detail. But like you said, Florida scored 19 straight. It was a 17-14 game. And, Florida or Michigan scored a, the touchdown with 3:01 to go in the third quarter. So for basically 45 minutes, this was a you know three-point game. Anything can happen. Uh, UC got down early, looked a little flustered, came back, came out of halftime with a great drive. Uh, I think it was 85 yards, aided by Hayden Moore, you know, 46-yard run. Had a chance, really. I don't know the exact time. A lot of this is going to be off the cuff because you know we're not really going with stats and replays or anything. But Michigan shanked the punt. UC took over. I think on Michigan's 46, sometime in the mid third quarter, and went pass, 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 punt, and it was a poor punt. I think 22 yards, and from that point on, I think that's kind of when the momentum turned. Oh, but I mean, that, they were right that, there. That was Frodo, that Khalil on. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't think so. I think that was later. I think, I think the missed throw to Khalil or maybe, maybe the overthrow was then. I know the, the one he dropped was when they were down 10. Yeah. Well, the, um, the overthrow so, resulted in that next drive. They went right down the field and scored and made it and pushed it to 24, 14. Right. To, to 14. But I mean, uh, and and I know the there there were mis I mean both teams I thought had several mistakes that the other team didn't really capitalize on to push themselves to a big lead until the very end when UC messed up the punt and then had the interception return. But you know UC did some things that bothered Michigan. Obviously Michigan did some things that bothered UC. But I think as a whole, you know. 
not knowing exactly what to expect, I'm not sure other than if you're just like pissed because they lost. Okay, you know, that's fine. I I totally get that. But you know, how do you really expect an outcome too much different than what we saw? Yeah, I mean, for me, what I wanted to see especially and what I saw in that first half was things didn't go great from the start. I mean, from the outset, Michigan scores a touchdown, uh, fairly easy first drive, and then Hayden Moore throws a pick six, and you're down 14 nothing. And that thing could have easily been, you know, things go south and it's 28-3 to right, you know. Oh, dude, the, the route could have been on at that point. Yeah, and I, I was really impressed. A lot of, a lot, and that's not even like a UC – AAC, not as good a town as Michigan type thing. The route could have been on at that point for a lot of teams. Yeah. Well, when you get in that hole early, if you don't respond quickly, it it goes south real fast. And and, uh, first off, hat tip to the defense because they played their asses off today. Dude, those guys, I mean, it's night and day from from last year. Night, Night and day. Well, I mean, the thing for me, and I'll hit on this um, when I put up my my bites tomorrow, um, it's not – they're not a one-guy, two-guy defense. There were were different portions of that game where a different dude took over. Um, Brian Wright had a series where he blocked a pass and then got a a pressure on third down to, to get an incomplete and get Michigan off the field. Um, Perry Young had a couple plays, the one, uh, where he made the diving tip away in the end zone that I thought he had a chance to, you know, for the one handed ridiculous interception. And then he made a stop right after, um, Marquise Copeland flashed. I thought Gilbert played Tyrell Gilbert played pretty well. Um, and and Cortez Broughton was fantastic. And then Jayla minor is just becoming a stud right before our eyes. And he was the one guy. He kept them. He kept them in the game, I thought, in the first, second quarter yeah. because I think I think you could tell when they got up 14, it was like, all right, let's start imposing our will on these guys. And he made several stops on first and second down that then forced them into third and eight, third and nine. And I know that at the beginning they converted a few of those, but I want to say they only ended up, Five of fourteen or five of sixteen on third down. Yeah, and that was after, uh, after that was getting the first two or three. Right. So I mean, he the the I thought the front seven, even though I think Michigan did end up with like 193 yards rushing and four over 400 yards of total offense. I mean, again, the defense gave them every chance to be in this game to possibly win this game. You know, the the offense, we have the same questions, and they struggled in various areas. But, you know, tip your cap to a Michigan defense that doesn't look like they have fallen off They are at so all big and so from fast. From last year, regardless of the fact of how many guys they had drafted. I mean, Rayshon Gary is a monster. 6'5", 280, and runs a 4'6". He is just an absolute monster. And that there was... Nobody on the Cincinnati offensive line that had a shot because he's so fast off the ball. I mean, it was just like when he decided it was time for him to get to the quarterback, the ball was snapped and he was at the quarterback. I mean, 
I don't know. You could have put three guys on him, and I don't know that it would have stopped him. And that guy was impressive. Uh, they they just overall defensively um, so complete. There there's not a, a an area, and if there was, it would probably be their secondary. And as we saw, Cincinnati just doesn't have the guys to make that you know a, a weakness yet um, to well, exploit that weakness and yet. I, and I think to the benefit of the Michigan secondary. It's how good their defensive line, linebackers, yeah, packages, things like that are. Because there were several times when you see receivers were open, but the passes weren't delivered in the right spot because there was an insane amount of pressure. Yeah, I mean, if you just, I mean, if you look at the stats, Hayden didn't have a good game stats-wise, but I think when they reviewed the film, I mean, a lot of these throws work completed because he was either having to throw quick, having to throw with the guy in his face. I mean, obviously, the one overthrow to Lewis, I think, was probably rushed a little bit. Maybe no excuse. He was open. He overthrew him by three, four yards. That's one thing. But um, he had a lot of balls dropped, I thought, today wow. that that were catchable. Maybe not perfect. But, again, I mean, he was getting harassed almost every time he dropped back. So when you know that happens, I mean, they knew that was going to happen. They threw, again, a lot of short stuff, a lot of quick stuff. You can't drop passes on, on throws like that. When, you're, when you know you're only going to gain three, right. four, five yards on the play at best, you can't drop them. Right. Then it just right. allows the defense to know on third and nine, right. third and nine, third and ten, you're not going to have enough time for your receivers to get to the first down mark. Exactly. So they can just – Send everybody. And, you know, you can't just be, you know, I thought the receivers, of, you know, the one throw to Lewis is going to be the one that sticks out the most, well, I mean, but down, it was everybody. I mean, they're down 14 and you've got a guy running free. You've got to get some air under it and get it to him. Right. And then the didn't drop a pass the entirety of last season, dropped a season this year two for touchdowns against Austin P and this one at the five-yard line uh, that would have set them up to, to, to hopefully cut a 10-point lead back to three and then, and then scrambling. Then they're, you know, right. it's on, on either of those plays. You're in the, if you get them down 21-17 or you cut it to 21-24-21, the heat is on them. And they weren't able to complete either of those big plays. And then ultimately that turned in, in Michigan State. Yep, I was just for the second week in a row. I was a little miffed on just the lack of running. I know Michigan's defensive line is great, and the numbers don't bear that out. A lot of that has to do with sack yardage, but I guess, and it wasn't like there were lots of yards to be had. But I just thought, knowing their pass rush, that. They could have ran the ball more, and the one drive that sticks out to me, and I don't know the the exact timing of it, but it's third quarter, down 17-14. Michigan shanks punt. UC starts on the Michigan 46, and we go pass, pass, pass. I think the third and 10 pass was the overthrow to Lewis. James Smith has a 22-yard punt. And Michigan goes right down the field, and on a great play design, 
gets Grant Perry matched up on a cross where the safety passes him off to Jalen Miner, and as good as Miner is, he's got no shot. And he, you know, obviously caught it and then turned the corner and ran in for a touchdown. But I'm just sitting there going, they're on the ropes. It's 17-14 in the third quarter at their place. You can't go three and out on three passes. You have to at least run the ball and see what happens. And and I just I just don't get the 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 lack of giving the ball to Boone and then today Dokes. I mean, I know at one point it was sixteen carries and they were averaging four yards a carry combined in the well into the third, maybe fourth quarter. So, you know, I know it's probably not that big of a deal, but I just would like to see them try to get that going more often because I feel like that then gives them a better chance to open up uh, passing the ball down the field, which we still really haven't seen uh, through two games. Yeah, that's fair. And we did see the two deep passes to Lewis, and they didn't connect on either. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I thought they did a great job continually running the tunnel screens, whether it was to Boone or to Devin Gray. I mean, Michigan could not stop that. Yeah. But there were too many of the throws to the outside that were either off because of pressure or bad throws or were dropped for it to really make Don Brown and the Michigan defense change at all what they were really trying to do. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree. It just – you you put yourself in that position and you just hope it – has a little bit better of an outcome, and it, it wasn't there. I mean, that's you know that's ultimately the frustrating part. I was, sorry, I'm I was momentarily distracted. I was looking up to see, yeah, that that was all the same series. They take over at the Michigan 46. They go three and out. The one play, the the third down play was the the missed opportunity to Lewis. And Michigan goes seven plays, 80 yards for a touchdown. Um, and that, you know, that was ultimately where the game flipped, unfortunately. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. You would like to see, you know, the mix in a run there, but you, you still got what you wanted on third down. Like, I, I get the frustration of not seeing what happens on first and second, but you got exactly the look that you have been waiting for on third down and you missed the throw. You're right. If and they make that throw, I, the I, point is moot because it's a touchdown, and now they've got the lead with five minutes left in the third quarter. So that would just be my – No, I totally, totally agree with that. I just – I look at it as a, a situation where, you know, hopefully you don't have to be in that spot third and ten and throw a deep pass like that knowing, because you know that they're going to bring – they're coming – yeah. And so your timing's probably not going to be ideal, whereas if it's third and four, third and five, even third and six, after a short run, maybe an incompletion or whatever, then so much more is on the table. And maybe you have a little bit more time to hook up on that throw because, you know, there there is the threat that you could get something quick, you could run the ball, or now you see that the guy can streak down the down the field. Yeah, it just overall was you, – you feel like you walked away from a game that, that they they kind of really could have made a statement. And even if it ended up 
a three-point game or a seven-point game, it looks a lot better on paper. Um, oh, for sure. I mean, looking at the score, for anyone that didn't really pay attention would think that it was just pretty much a, you know, an easy effort. Okay. And, but it, it really wasn't the case at all. Um, so I think there's a lot not, you know, not into the whole moral victory thing, but you can take things from losses and build on them. You don't have to say that, you know, oh, you know, we're, this is fine or whatever, but I mean, whether it's a win or a loss, you can take things from it. I think, you know, we still have the same questions offensively, whether it's about line play and pass protection against better opponents, whether it's, uh, receivers being able to get open, and today, I don't, you know, they really weren't able to get open, and when they did, they didn't do a very good job catching the ball. Hopefully, that's a, a one-time thing. But uh, defensively, I mean, I don't know what there's really – there's not a whole lot you can say when you defensively you give up 20 points to a top-10 team at their place. Five tackles for loss. You know, you got the one sack from Broughton. He had five tackles for loss. Broughton had one. Murphy had one. That was a good, really good play by Chris Murphy on third down. Oh, yeah. Um, Gilbert had one. Copeland had one. And then Miner had one. The Miner one is the one where he blew up the H-back so hard that the H-back oh, yeah, tackled knocked the him running into, back. Knocked the, knocked the guy into his own player. So, I mean, defensively, just the the, the – Box score is finally up, so finally getting a chance to to scam through it. Uh, Eleven tackles for Minor, nine solo, seven for Grant Coleman, six for Copeland, five for Gilbert, four for Clemens. I thought they did a good. They kept Perry Young kind of out of the action for the most part, but he did have that one little stretch where I talked about uh, where he had the pass break up and then had a big tackle, uh, but he only had four. Boy, Michigan picked on Carter Jacobs a lot today. Man, I we talked. I mean, especially that first drive. Uh, there was the third and nine completion that was on him, and then the touchdown where he just got ran by. I, and I was trying to pay attention. I, I want to say he maybe got taken out. Well, they they rotated Murphy in at different stretches between him and uh, Clemens both. Um, because I I was when I saw Murphy out there, I was trying to pay attention, and there was there was a period in time I thought where Murphy was in there with with Jacobs, and then a period of time where he was in there with Clements. So that might have just yeah, been I mean, rotationally getting guys a, a breather. Definitely a rough rough game for him in the back end, that's for sure. And I t- but I, go ahead. I thought that for the moment. I mean, you play a team like that, they're going to break big plays. I mean, you had the 156-yard run. They caught the tight end across the middle for a long run. But I thought the DBs in, in the secondary, for the most part, came up and made hits and made tackles right when guys caught passes or broke up passes. I mean, it was, again, I think the defense is much improved and can only go up from here based on what we've seen the first couple games. Yeah, no question. Um, I'd also give a shout-out. Uh, we talked about him a little bit, but um, Brian Wright, for me, he was the guy that, that flashed at camp. I think that guy is uh, just on the cusp 
of a, a star turn is that outside pass rushing defensive end that this defense has lacked for quite a while. I agree. I mean, he's what only a, a red shirt sophomore. So, and this is the other thing with the defense. I mean, a lot of those guys are are young and either got their first taste of action last year or, you know, get, getting their first real amount of playing time this year. So there's a lot to look forward to there. I, I just think it'll be interesting to see, you know, can we take the progressions in defense the next several weeks? And can we, you know, start to see the offense take a jump? I mean, that's the biggest thing. I mean, the defense is, through two games, defensively has given up, what, 14 points and 20 points? Yeah. Same, not to the extent of, or not to the point we were last year yet, but, I mean, you give up 14 points and 20 points in 2017 college football, you should win a lot of games. Yeah. Also, uh, I thought Lyndon Johnson saw a lot of action. It was interesting. They they went schematically. They went a lot of five defensive linemen um, on plays that they felt Michigan was going to run. And, yeah, I saw Curtis Brooks in there a lot, too. Yeah, and, and I, they used Johnson uh, on the inside a lot, and he's been playing defensive end, but – because of his size, I think they felt it gave them a guy that could, you know, plug up that middle of the defense. He might not be the guy that's going to make the play, but he was going to be a guy that could, you know, take up some space and allow the, the linebackers and the other defensive end, you know, linemen to uh, get in there and make plays. <clears throat> and I thought he did a good job with that. Yeah, I did too. What were your uh, thoughts on apparently Coach Fickle – Having a kicking competition this week. Well, did you listen to the post game? I did. He said something about a slight groin injury, possibly for like, Gantz. It sounds like the groin injury is back for Gantz. The same thing from last year. Well, it was a hip last year, but it was all in that general vicinity. Yeah. So hopefully this was just precautionary. Um, but man, that thing has been nagging now for a long time. So it's a rough rough injury if you're a kicker. <laughs> That's the one spot you really don't want to have it go wrong if you're a kicker. Is that uh No, the, tough to tough to overcome those leg injuries when your job is to kick the ball. Yes. Uh and it well it great day for James Smith. No, I thought he definitely was not as good as he was uh last Thursday. Uh just didn't have the distance, didn't have the hang time. He had one. Uh, he had one good him. one where he flipped the field and put him. It was a forty-nine yard kick uh, down the sideline where he pinned him back inside the twenty and turned field position a little bit. Um, but other than that, they were short. They were they they were returnable. Um, the the Michigan punt returner got himself in trouble because he was letting them go. The one led to the the fumble that kind of. Uh, flip momentum in the first quarter, but I mean, overall, he just, that was uh, on the big stage, that was not perfect. It was not a good day for James no. Smith. And you could tell he knew it. No, and they, no. they had the miscommunication that led to the safety. I don't know who that was on him or if it was on I uh, think, Vincent. I mean, 
I don't think it was on either of them. I think that was on the coaching staff. They didn't get out there until there wasn't a whole lot of time left on the play clock, and I don't know if maybe, I mean, Smith was still kind of walking back, taking his steps to get his alignment, and the snap happened because I think there was one or two seconds left on the play clock. Yeah. So Vincent, Vincent was just getting it off because it was you had to get it off, and Smith right. Wasn't ready. So I don't know. It was. Um, I don't want to make too much of it because I don't. In the grand scheme of things, I don't really think it mattered. But I have no idea what either coaching staff was doing in the last two minutes of the first half. No. And it just seemed like the UC, like. I don't know, orchestration or whatever all day seemed a little off. There I think was a, there's still a lot, a lot of, of kinks to work out there. I mean, it was, it was as a staff their first road game, so I give them a little bit of rope there. Um, you, you would like to think that everything's going to go exactly as you planned it, but sometimes things get a little uh, off kilter when you don't Yeah, I mean, to. it definitely definitely happened today. I mean, there were... I mean, was it once or twice at least that they called timeouts to save delay of games on punts? I just felt like either the plays were coming in slower, the offense was calling the plays slower, uh, The when there was a change, you know, if it was third down and the units were switching, I thought that operation was slow. You know, just some, some weird stuff. And then, like we kind of said, especially at the end of the first half, to to get that delay of game there when you're – in field goal range is, I don't even know how that happens. But then at the same time, I'm like, what was Michigan doing when UC has the ball inside their own 25, just basically running the ball, and Michigan's not calling timeouts. So yeah. UC's like, okay, so we'll yeah. throw it on third down, yeah. and they get it on the yeah. on the screen yeah. to Gray, yeah. and then they hit Dokes out of the backfield yeah. for a big game, oh, who, by the way, is all over – what? The wheel. God love the wheel. All over, he's all over the internet for absolutely trucking that defensive back. Mm, that was a uh, lower my shoulder and I'm going to run over you. Move. So I'm like, okay, well now if you're going to let us call plays, I guess we'll try to score. And then they get down there and have like a, I wouldn't call it makeable, but, I mean, a, a very attemptable field goal. And then we get a delay game penalty that pushes it back yeah, that one was to that one was a, not, a not really makeable. I think there were a couple on him. I think there were a couple on the center where he was asking for the ball and it wasn't snapped, where they either ended up calling a timeout at the last second or getting a delay game penalty. So just kind of the whole operation seemed a bit off today, and I'm – you know, that's why I'm not trying to be too critical on no. it. We have a new staff, first road game, and things like that. But, you know, those are the things that if you're going to win this game, just like overthrowing Lewis, just like Lewis dropping the pass, just like throwing two pick sixes, taking delay games, having miscommunication on the play, none of those things can happen. Right. If you're going to win that game in the current state, that the program's in, and and for UC's part, they forced Michigan into errors that also need to happen if you're going to win the, that game. Yeah. So, I mean, 
like we kind of said, I mean, they were right in it, but all of those things have to go right if you're going to pull an upset like that. And it's just kind of a shame that the score ended up being 36-14, even though I don't think anybody that really paid attention to the game thought that that was indicative as to how the two teams played. Yeah, and I, I think you definitely have to give them a lot of credit for taking Michigan out of their comfort zone. And I think more than anything, that you know, that's probably my biggest takeaway from this game is right when it could have gone bad, they put the heat on Michigan and put Michigan back on their spur, back on their on their middle on their on their end of quarter on their way through their So if they had if on their twenty five minutes, they kinda on their control of that game and they to do. They do. They got tovers, tovers, broke plays. Biggest the uh, plays, the run from Hayden for 46 yards, which you could tell he wanted to end as fast as possible. He was well. It's a, we, somebody coming. I gotta get. I'm, I'm ready to get down. Somebody coming. Come on. We had we had a bunch of people over at my house, and my mom's going, "Why did he slow down?" I'm like, "Because he." did everything he needed to do, and the fast guys caught up yeah. to him. So he covered the ball and basically went down. He's like, all right, I'm good. I gained 46 yards. I don't really need to try to do more. That, I, I haven't gained 46 yards rushing in my career, so we're just going to make sure that it goes well at the end. And then yeah. connects with Lewis on the touchdown pass. That was, um, especially with the way the first half ended in, in kind of disarray, it was really encouraging to come out at the start of the second half and and put that together because that you mean like Gettis fumbles the bobbles the kick goes down at the fifteen the first two plays are pretty much a disaster and you're looking at third and ten and if you don't convert you're punting you know you're giving Michigan good field position and giving them a chance basically to just to, to run away. And they go 85 yards in three and get a touchdown. I, I thought that was a, a huge step forward uh, at that point in time. Are you, are you trying to say it was encouraging to see adjustments be made? Yes, I, I think that's fair. It's fair. Encouraging to see adjustments. Because I, I would – I would agree. They made adjustments in-game and at halftime, which, you know, we don't really need to get into it, but those are new new type of things for fans to see over the last few years. And I know a lot of disagree with me, but I, I felt like there were things in the offense that made me feel better, that made me feel like Mike Denbrock is starting to – adjust to what he has on the field and what he has to work with. Not all of it worked, but, you know, on, on some of the drop passes, on some of the things that they did, I still felt that there was a progression there where I saw some more um, creativity. I saw some more grasp and understanding on what his offense is going to look like. I agree. There's de- There definitely was, and I just – I just keep going back to the fact that you're you're not going to see. I mean, I don't I'm, I don't know this a hundred percent, but let's just say I think it's pretty safe to say that Michigan's probably going to be a top 
10 defense this year. Yeah. They're number one last year. They graduated a lot of guys. They seem to have not really missed a beat. So let's just say top 10. Don Brown's had a defense two years in a row. Two years in a row, right. It's safe to say that they're going to be. Will you see play a top 75 defense the rest of the year? Um, I don't know how good is Temple going to be. I mean, how good they lost. Maybe, maybe okay, maybe one. Will they? I don't think they'll play a top fifty. Probably not. So, the things that caused them issues today likely aren't going to cause them issues moving forward. Correct. Guys will be more open. Hayden will have more time. They'll be able to run the ball better. This is all hypothetically speaking, of course. But, like, I think that part of it has to be taken into account. You have a 4-8 and eight team play from last year where we know there are limitations. Playing their first road game of the year with a brand new coaching staff, so totally new offense, totally new play calling, all of those things. And at times it was ugly, and at times, like the start of the third quarter, they only write down the field and score. Right. So, I don't see any reason why they can't improve on that. Or they took the they took the the muffed punt and they took it forty yards and got a touchdown. Right. You know, I, I think those two things were were very much signs of that we're starting to see some some progress, some light at the end of the tunnel for this offense. Now, are there things they need to clean up? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, of course, they're two games into they're two games into a season, coming off a terrible season. No one no one expected them to to not have some issues. And I think you can't possibly look at them and say they're what's that? I check the message board sometimes. <laughs> well, those people aren't being realistic. Like it's one thing to be optimistic; it's another thing to be realistic. I agree. Like, I'm I'm optimistic about where this team is in a month to two months from now, but let's be real. I mean, they've played two games, one of them against a team that's probably going to go undefeated until they play Ohio State. So what, what more do you really want? You're in the game. You didn't get blown out. You didn't get embarrassed. You got down 14 nothing Last year they would have totally quit. And lost totally that game fifty six to nothing. Down thirty five nothing at halftime, and they came right back and made plays and kept themselves in the game and gave themselves a chance. Like that's all you can really ask for. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I need to see I need to see better play from the wide receivers for sure, because this is the the issue we this we've talked about from. Camp and, and throughout, it's not a great, great quarterback. No. If everything is if everything is set up properly, you're right. But that doesn't isn't often the case. Well, but and those guys need to step up and cover up some of the holes. Is what I'm saying. Exactly. I mean, exactly. And, and I don't want. I know it's already on the message board. Don't even start with the quarterback competition. It's not happening for several reasons. Right. 
and you have guys there. You have Lewis. You have Gray. You've got some young guys. It's time for them to grow up. And I saw Rollins out there a lot today. I saw J.J. Pickney out there. He needs the – Rollins needs the ball more. Okay. He's, my, he's my guy as a wide receiver. They need to throw him the ball more. His, his problem has been consistency. Pickney was out there on rundowns for sure because he's an aggressive, bigger guy. He's down there on well, and they, they touchdown run. They had an open pass to him that a Michigan de- defensive back just got a finger on. Uh, yeah, down the sideline. And that would have been a nice, you know, 15-yard or so gain. Um, that the guy just, you know, Hayden maybe could have got a little bit more air underneath it, but sometimes you just got to tip your cap. And say, well, yeah, I mean – which he did. So for sure. So you know, I guess this week the big question will be, I guess Boone's health. And I don't know how many people noticed on the fly, but I noticed that for the majority of the second half, Trout was in it right. Trout was in it right tackle, and Calhoun wasn't. And I don't really think it was because he wasn't playing well. So. I don't know if something happened injury-wise. I don't. Or, they they also what. could have just wanted to try to give a different look on Rashawn Gary. Yeah, very much so. But he got absolutely whooped on one of the first plays that he was in there. Yeah, I think the adjustment to uh, Rashawn Gary's get off was uh, was not fast. <laughs> he settled back into pass protection, and it was like zip. Uh oh. Yeah, it was not pretty. I thought he did okay after that. After he got his feet underneath him, I thought Trout did all right. But the the very beginning of that did not go well. Um, but, you know, that's a, a guy with some experience and has been around a long time uh, in Trout, not here, but at Ohio State. So hopefully if there is something wrong there, you know, the, it, 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 you've got a guy that can play. Or if it was just uh, let's get somebody a different look because they they did that uh, at both of the guard spots at times because they'll just they're yep. Garrett Campbell in at both of those spots throughout the game and I don't know if that's just to keep the yep. fresh. Um, I noticed Campbell started at left left guard and then uh, Miner went in and Campbell moved over to right guard and you know switched back and forth. Stir came back in. It didn't look like there was anything that was. Um, Injury-related, it just looked like keeping the interior guys just on a little bit of a rotation. So maybe we saw that on the outside. Obviously, we'll get a better feel for that um, this week. But hopefully they came out pretty healthy. It didn't appear to be, you know, you didn't see guys dropping like flies. No, there wasn't. Nothing caught my eyes like a a major – injury or like it's a bunch of guys limping off the field because they were getting manhandled by, you know, bigger, faster, stronger players. I thought they acquitted themselves from a physicality standpoint, you know, pretty well throughout the whole game. Yep. You got anything else? I don't think so. I know I saw Miami was up 21-7 on Austin P. It was 7-7, and then they scored a couple touchdowns. So... You know, we got the old uh, battle for the victory bell next week, so should be a good one. Are we gonna we gonna give it a go on Wednesday? I know we're not gonna get anybody to come on as a guest. 
Um, unless you want to con- oh, you mean there's tried to charge us last year to come on as a guest. <laughs> you mean there's no one that covers Miami that would want to come on as a guest? Yeah, I, you know what? I'll work on something. I might have some. <laughs> I might have something. I don't know. Wait, wait. Let's, uh, what about uh, T. Pike or Mr. Jim Kelly Sr.? I, I can work on that. I, I've got a guy, one of my T-Buddies that's a, a Miami grad that I, I think is actually up on Miami. So he would have on their game today. So let me think that. If not, I'll try to my playing mag and see if I can get anybody else. How about uh, just try to let's request Chuck Martin? Sure, I'm, I'm sure he would come on and give us all kinds of information. Yeah, yeah. Let, let, let's go on the uh, opposing teams team site podcast and tell them our game plan. Nobody listens to this anyway. Let's be honest. More than you think. More than you. Think. <laughs> Maybe not as many as last year, but more than you think. <laughs> I think last. I think last year people listened out of anger. They yeah. just wanted to hear us rip people. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Very. Well, we'll keep you updated. I'll have a bite. I'll keep you up sometime tomorrow. Uh, really game story from Austin Gale. Uh, Sheen added some uh, some thoughts uh, from the as well. And uh, we'll have plenty of coverage throughout the week as we head up to the battle for the victory bell, and the uh, always popular ding-ding. I missed that. Was there a uh, a basketball recruit on campus this weekend? There was. Uh, he's actually, I don't know. Would you like to? It's uh, Nate Hinton, uh, six foot six point guard, combo guard from uh, Gaston, North Carolina. Um, everything that I saw, the visit was going really well. It, it should be just about over now. Uh, he said he was heading out late afternoon, early evening um, when I talked to him yesterday. Uh, but a kid that I really liked when I saw him in July, um, versatile, played point guard the entire month of July for his team-loaded North Carolina team, took him to the finals at the uh, Adidas Championships in Spartanburg. Uh, they lost by one point in the championship game. Um, but uh, a kid that I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of. Um, I know there's some concern about his jump shot. I think it's just a matter of he's a kid that attacks the basket at will and is really, really good coming off the pick and roll. And guys like that don't need to shoot much because they can get to the rim whenever they want, especially at that level when, you know, there's not help side defense and, and guys really aren't trained to uh, to keep you out of the lane at the level, you know, the level they are at a Cincinnati but I know, you know, the one thing both from, from Nate Hinton and from Logan Johnson, they're both uh, known for their hard work, their toughness, and I know both of them uh, really loved watching a, uh, a Cincinnati workout because you know, it's funny, you talk to a lot of people, there was a, uh, an AAU coach uh, for one of the guys that's in the program, one of the freshmen that was uh, at practice, and uh, happened to be the guy happened to be driving through Cincinnati and... Uh, stopped in just to get, you know, get a chance to see how they do things. And, and these guys go to a lot of college practices. And 
everybody that comes, especially when you come, you know, in the summer or, or a, a time like this, um, where most teams don't go hard. You know, they're kind of going through the motions or doing some drills. When this team goes live, they play hard. They play incredibly hard. And it's a good look, I think, when recruits come in because it kind of smacks them in the face. Like, if you step out on this floor and we go live, you're playing hard or you're not going to make it here. And I think both, of, you know, both of those guys that have visited have been very receptive to that, and, and it's, it struck them as this is the type of thing that I'm looking for and where I want to go to college because this is how I play. Uh, so I think that's a, a very positive thing. And then it, you're never going to get a bad word from, from guys hanging out with this uh, group of Bearcats because they're all great dudes. And I know uh, being from North Carolina, uh, I know Gary Clark spent a lot of time talking to, uh, to Nate and his family. And, uh, you know, hopefully everything went well. And he's going to visit Florida State next weekend. I don't think they have anything else planned as of yet. Um, but he's a guy I, I would expect to be a guy that, you know, signs in November. So, you know, he could decide after those two that he wants to see a couple more schools. He's already taken a, an official visit to Houston um, a couple weeks ago. He could decide between those three. He could add a couple more visits. Uh, I'm not sure exactly, you know, what they're – I don't think they know exactly what their plan is going to be yet. Uh, Logan Johnson told me he's going to officially visit – St. Mary's and uh, Cal Santa Barbara, uh, and then try to get down to UCLA. UCLA hasn't offered, um, but they're looking for a point guard under every rock. So, you know, you could get to a point where you see a UCLA offer if he visits and they like what they see, but uh, that doesn't sound incredibly likely at this point. But that, you know, that covers it on the basketball side, I think. So Sounds good. All right, well, we'll uh, we'll keep you updated on if we're going to – we'll do something for Miami on Wednesday. Uh, I'm just not sure exactly what yet. We'll figure it out. But plenty of good stuff coming. Shane will have his recruiting recap on Monday. I'll have my bites on Sunday. Uh, and we'll have uh, the press conference and open practice on Tuesday, and we will go from there. So stay tuned. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. Thanks for listening in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com.